Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 83 of the Sample Chapter Podcast with dark fantasist Catherine Hudson. It's going to be a great episode. You don't want to miss out on that. But before we get over to that, I want to give a very special greeting to those of you out there around the world, especially in Spain. I want to say hola. (laughs) And those of you in the Dominican Republic, saludo. And gracias to both of you for the amazing support with what with all the downloads I've been seeing coming from both countries. And I'm just, you know, I'm just... uh, very humbled that the, I mean the, the show is now downloaded in over 20 countries and it, it really humbles me to see that so many people are finding this as a resource to find a new author some great books you know I, I'm just I'm blown away and thank you everybody around the world but you know today I just want to pick those uh, those two countries out because those in particular I've been seeing uh, quite the numbers in uh, in Spain, and uh, <laughs> those of you in the Dominican Republic who have been downloading, thank you for getting me on the top 100 list in iTunes there. So that's that's been really special. That kind of that really surprised me and made my day when I found out about that. So yeah, but thank you everybody around the world. I'm so happy that you are finding worth uh, out of this show. I know there's a lot of great authors that have been on here, and there's even more to come. And yeah, thank you for believing in me the way I believe in these authors. So I look forward to bringing you more. So hey, don't forget to follow the show on Facebook and Twitter. Click that subscribe button on whatever platform it is that you're using to listen to the show. iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, even YouTube now. And, and if you would, please take a second and give me a rating just to, you know, whatever you feel the show is, is uh, worth to you, however many stars. If you want to write a review, that's great, but, you know, it's not necessary. But, yeah, it uh, doing that rating, though, does help increase visibility so that more wonderful people like yourself can find some of their brand new favorite books because of the show. And I really appreciate it. There's been a great response to my announcement last week uh, in the last episode that uh, where I kind of spilled the beans and told everybody that, yes, thriller author Steve Alton, author of Meg, The Lock, Phobos, I mean, so many other incredible books. Uh, Yes, he is going to be an upcoming guest. That episode has already been recorded. We had a wonderful time chatting, and he he was so gracious. I was blown away getting a chance to talk to him. And, yeah, that that episode is coming up. And thank you for everybody's excitement. <laughs> They're, you know, you're experiencing the same thing I am. I can't wait to share it. I don't have an exact date yet for when that's coming up. It will be very soon, but I can't say with any certainty that it's going to be the next episode or you know two down the road or something like that. But you know, rest assured, if you're following me on social media, specifically if you're subscribed to the show, then you won't miss out when that does drop. But rest assured, it will be soon. I can't wait to share it with you. It was a lot of fun, and you don't want to miss it. Well, speaking of fun, our guest author this week, Catherine Hudson, 
She has written a number of best-selling dystopian, sci-fi, and dark fantasy books, including her international bestseller, Sleepwater Beat. We talked tainted heroes, writing and family, growing as an indie author, and I tell you what, I challenge you not to, at the very least, crack a smile whenever she starts to laugh, because she has one of those infectious laughs that just gets inside and shakes you up and makes you smile make you know you can't you can't help it you can't help it I, I I'm challenging you but I already know you can't help it you're gonna laugh you're gonna smile it's so much fun you're gonna really enjoy this uh, but first before we get over to that just one more thing I do want to thank our longtime sponsor you store all for having been a uh, you know they've been sponsoring the show from the very beginning if you were in uh, in Missouri, in the Wardensburg area, and you are seeking self-storage because you're in the middle of a move, maybe you've got, you've run out of space, maybe the garage is full, and uh, your significant other is saying, hey, I want the car in the garage this winter. <laughs> you know, whatever your excuses are, if you find yourself needing self-storage, check them out at ustoral.net. It is the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L.net. And you're going to see, I mean, they've got two facilities, climate control and non-climate control, both of them fully fenced in, both of them absolutely covered in cameras. They've got all the angles, everything's being watched, and these are digital cameras. You know, they can zoom in and see how many hairs are on your nose, uh, not to get gross or anything, but, you know. Uh, they've been a leader in green energy in the area with solar power panels up on the roof helping decrease the needs of energy for their for their facilities. Uh, the whole place is cleaned constantly. It's really, really a nice place. So make sure, like I said, check them out online at ustoreall.net so you can uh, find what they have to offer. I also want to thank my buddies over at popgoestheculture.com. Tons of great podcasts, blogs, so many fun things over there. Uh, I mean, just more for me to even talk about. So just take me at my word when I say, click the link in the show notes for popgoestheculture.com and you will find yourself immersed in a pop culture wonderland. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm just about to get you over to our interview with Catherine Hudson. But first, a word from our other sponsor, Scribner. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scribner. Now, I know you've heard about Scribner because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scribner's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scribner every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scribner Writing Software, built by writers for writers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. My guest today, oh my goodness, is, is somebody I'm very excited about. She has been writing fantasy and sci-fi since 2000. She can't get enough of tainted heroes, excruciating circumstances, impossible decisions, and happily never after. 
I'm talking about Catherine Hudson here with us today in the studio. Catherine, welcome to the show. Hi, Jason. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you here. Uh, and we've been kind of bouncing back and forth, making a, a good time. And I'm glad we finally got this nailed down. Yeah, me too. I am excited. This is great to be here. Uh, it's my pleasure. Well, so, I mean, aside from what I was just talking about with uh, you've been writing for, since 2000, give us a little bit about yourself that the audience might not know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. I live in Vermont, way up here in uh, the New England side of the U.S. Uh, I've got, let's see, I'm married, have a two-year-old daughter, and um, two giant dogs, and... Oh, kind of drawing a blank. <laughs> One more thing this point. Uh, that's pretty much pretty much my life at this point. Writing and my family. Um, I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. And I love the dogs' names. So that's really awesome. Yeah, Sadie and Bruce Willis. That is. And another awesome, cool name factoid on there. Uh, my daughter's middle name is Skywalker. Oh my god. For real, on her birth certificate and everything. So. Oh my gosh. We like naming. Uh, beings, beings. I was going to say things, but that doesn't work. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's awesome. So, so you've been writing, is it, has it been uh, professional writing since 2000 or has it been kind of like the dream and, and working uh, some other kind of aspect? Yeah, well, I would have been way too young to uh, work professionally in 2000. So um, I started I started writing when I was 10. So I'll date myself or undate myself. I don't know. Um, that's when I started writing. And from the minute I started, I fell in love with it and knew that it was always what I wanted to do. I uh, majored in creative writing fiction at the University of Colorado at Boulder. So that was my you know, whole career trajectory, so to speak. And I started my indie publishing career in 2015, published my first book, Daughter of the Draken. And that is a uh, dark fantasy, the jungle book meets Kill Bill with dragons. So it was uh, very cool and still, uh, still very cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I, I started ghost writing actually professionally uh, last year. So uh, I have been published and I have been running my own publishing industry for the last four years. And um, for the last yeah year now, at this point, I have been writing full time, uh, you know, normal 50, 60 hour work week of <laughs> writing fiction. <laughs> That's all I do. And uh, absolutely love it. Well, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was looking this over. I mean, this last year. Uh... 2018 I mean you were quite prolific it appears <laughs> with the unclaimed series and your most recent uh, the the blue helix book one came out as well I mean mm -hmm. you've been really busy I I have been and I can say I I'm not publishing anything this year I think maybe uh, <laughs> if I can get something out by the end of the year I will but uh, yeah last year last year was a, a good year for writing my fiction and uh we're getting out some great new books, and I hope to have something out this year. If not, next year we'll definitely bring some great things. But I have been, I have been writing. I'll tell you that I I write all the time, just uh, a little bit less on my own work these days. But it's still it's still getting attention. I am working on a new LGBT dark fantasy series in the same universe as the Unclaimed. Actually, because I 
I really enjoyed those characters in the world and the ideas, and I'm taking it down a darker path this time with uh, the Bessel Broken series. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell us about uh, what started it all with your book one of, uh, see, and I didn't ask it ahead of time, book one of Genona's. Genona. That's a hard G, you know. <laughs> daughter, daughter of Draken. There you go. <laughs> we'll go with that. That's there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah um no it started it started did start with Daughter of the Dragon that was my first book that I wrote first book that I published I actually wrote Daughter of the Dragon and Mother of the Dragon the uh, other book in the duology it's just the two of them uh, I wrote this in high school actually um and they were, used to be one book and it was a gigantic horrific you know 220,000 word thing <laughs> um <laughs> And I sat on it actually for nine years, went through, you know, growing up and life and learning how to be an adult, handle responsibilities or not handle them and also write at the same time or not. And then finally, it was right after uh, I got married, 2014, I decided I wanted to go back through and really uh, buckle down and uh, start querying traditional publishing agents, actually. And I went through the first book, Daughter of the Dragon, and cut about 11,000 words from just that part alone after I had split the giant monstrosity in half. And I racked up 116 rejection letters from traditional agents for this book. And I, I didn't have anyone else um, that I was aware of to query to send submission in. So I said, okay, I'm going to go indie author route i'm gonna do this myself this story just needs to be out in the world and i put that out in october of 2015 and then may of 2016 i published mother of the dragon the sequel and the the month after i published mother of the dragon daughter of the dragon the first book became uh an amazon dark fantasy bestseller which was super exciting, especially because I really had absolutely no idea what I was doing as an indie author in the beginning, which I am not ashamed to admit. <laughs> it was a learning process for sure. And that's, that's how we grow, right? <laughs> Making right. mistakes and moving on. Um, but that was very cool to me and pretty validating for me that, you know, small fry indie author just starting out could make a bestsellers list just a year after and it, it had been rejected by a bunch of traditional agents. So uh, that that started me on the process and uh, didn't write at all while I was pregnant and shortly after I had my daughter. But then after that, yeah, that was the beginning of 2018 last year. I kind of kicked my butt into gear and said, okay, we're gonna do this thing for real, make it serious, make a schedule, start writing all the time. And then it just kind of exploded into I got exactly what I asked for, right? <laughs> Writing all the time. Oh my goodness, I would say so. Well, and that and that uh you know, going back to your the uh, mother dragon, I mean that's that's pretty cool. That's a good uh thing I've seen happen a couple of times where book two or book three of a series comes out and suddenly book one gains all this extra attention because everybody was like, Oh, well let me go back and check out the beginning because I don't want to see the newest. I want to see how it began and Next thing you know, you got a bestseller on your hands, which obviously worked really, really well for you. I mean, that, that's really great. 
Yeah, thank you. It was very surprising and uh, encouraging in a lot of ways too. So uh, yeah, it was it was definitely cool for sure. Well, it had to have been a good book because I mean, people, you know, you, you got a lot of reviews. It looks like it did w really well, and I mean, you, you got to first write a good book for people to enjoy, and then next thing you know, you're going to have that bestseller status. So that's really cool. It must have been well deserved. Oh, well, thank you. I like to think so. It's a. Uh, I just actually recently, um, Daughter of the Dragon got uh, nominated for an Effie in the 2019. Epic Fantasy Fanatics Readers Choice Awards. That's Yay. Right. Yay! So they're still they're still you know reading and going through the, the reading and the judging process. But uh, it was super cool to to get that nomination for that book too. Like you know, four years after it was published, like right. to keep the like keep the old ones alive, show them some love. <laughs> you know, and that's that's a really cool thing to uh, you know something you could share with like other authors that are still struggling with their first book or second book, or maybe they're still trying to get that first one done. It's, it's not over just because the books out there and, and maybe it hadn't hit yet. The, do you think it was the, uh, the book two garnered the interest or how did, how did you keep that interest in that first one? Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think if I had the tools back then four years ago when I published Out of the Dragon that I have now at my disposal in terms of, you know, just general knowledge of how to launch a book in the first place or, you know, who to network with um, marketing and promoting and, you know, like authentically, genuinely uh, reaching out and connecting with readers or people like who super geek out over dark fantasy or any kind of speculative fiction like I do, my favorite authors and what have you. Um, if I had known all those things four years ago, I, I mean, <laughs> Daughter of the Dragon <laughs> may have even gotten a lot bigger, right? And honestly, I, I, my first response is to say I just got lucky. <laughs> um, I know that that's not true. I know, you know, there's there's a line between humility and lying, but um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I think what I did was I, I did a little bit of networking and I did reach out to other authors and I did, you know, try and work on some cross promotion and, and, you know, doing interviews of other authors and, and going from blog to blog and helping other people who were just starting out like with their first or second book kind of build our audiences that way and I <laughs> played around with different like promotion websites you know sending out the emails to their readers and subscribers and putting ads out there and it was very very small scale I don't know it must have been <laughs> the, the right the right amount of pushing at the right time when people were really into um, what was happening and uh, that, that's really all, all I can say. <laughs> that, you know, but, the biggest truth behind it is that it's, it's just a matter of, you know, keep going, keep doing it. It's, it is not over when you publish the book and then that's it, right? Like, yeah. You yeah. And, and you, and you really, you, you stepped outside your comfort zone. Uh, you know, a lot of authors will, well, I wrote the book and I put it out there. So come find it but you kept mm -hmm. reaching out to other authors. Hey, uh, I'd like to talk about my book and let me help you 
we'll talk about your book too. And I mean, that was, that was the whole thing is like you said, you just didn't give up. You just kept going. And obviously, you know, you kept writing as well. And that always helps because you know, your, your last book is only as good as your next one. And if you keep writing and putting the books out there, well then you're going to get seen and, and clearly it's working really well for you. Yeah. Thank you. I think it is. It's that it's, you know, with a few bumps, here and there, a little bit of dips, it's definitely still heading upward and onward, which I am so grateful for because I absolutely love being an author and I love writing what I write and it's <laughs> <laughs> it's paying off. So it's nice to have the best of both worlds. <laughs> now, have you always been like really into the uh, dystopian sci-fi, dark fantasy kind of thing? Yes. I always have. Um, I mean, I started reading Stephen King when I was 10. So <laughs> that has had a huge influence on that love of dark fiction in general, but mostly dark fantasy. His um, Dark Tower series is my all-time favorite. I'm actually reading it again for the 10th time currently <laughs> in you know all the spare time I have right now. But um, I absolutely love those books and those they're just they're brilliant and they are super dark and um amazing and so that hugely influenced me I've never really been a fan of light reading <laughs> so I I uh yeah I've always been really into it and it was for a while just you know epic fantasy or lighter fantasy um and I started to find as a reader anyway that they all all the lighter epic or medieval fantasy books started to sound the same to me when I read them and then when I found like the wider pool of dark fantasy and dark <laughs> fiction and you know dystopian sci-fi that wasn't that wasn't young adult either you know like William Gibson's pattern recognition is actually one of my favorite books and I know it's it's not technically dystopian kind of I mean it's way off in the future and it may be considered dystopian, but um that really influenced a lot of things too for me so I've, I've got a wide range of <laughs> books I enjoy across the board but yeah I've, all, I've always had that interest there <laughs> that's awesome well and so then you moved into uh your your first well not your first series but a uh, three-part series at least here with the unclaimed series uh mm -hmm. book one sanctuary of is it is it Dalen? Dellen. Dellen. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, tell us about this because these look amazing. Oh, I thank you very much. Um, and it's actually surprises people when I say you know the the covers all have a woman on them. The main character is a man, and uh, whose name is not Dellen. <laughs> 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 but um, this this trilogy, the unclaimed, is is actually lighter. Uh, so to speak, than any of my other books. I know I just <laughs> went to say light <laughs> epic fantasy isn't really uh, my thing, but it it has a lot of darkness in it too, and there is no happily ever after, and there is no the hero comes to save the day and kill the big bad guy, and there is a prophecy in there. I turned it on its head because I like to do that to tropes. Um, <laughs> this is basically uh, following Karen, who is an institutionalized man newly released from 
basically indentured servitude as a blacksmith. Um, he has no idea where he is in the world or who he is or where or who anyone else or anywhere else is. And the one person that he thought he could trust is the one person who freed him. <laughs> and he gets sucked into this, into this world of, you know, prophecies and secrets and betrayals and everyone planning around him for his destiny. Um, mm. And he's got and no idea what's going on. So I, I, I took this character, Karen, through three books of kind of <laughs> bashing him over the head repeatedly. <laughs> um, he, he dies 48 times. Uh, <laughs> if that doesn't get somebody interested, <laughs> I don't know what will. Um, and during this whole process, he comes to have this, on one hand, a very like caregiving, nurturing, almost sibling-like relationship with, um, I call her the woman child, Dellen. So, you know, the tagline for the book says, one woman with the mind of a child and the world's ancient secrets are trapped within her. I believe that's how it goes, or, you know, could be off by a few words, but, um, so when he first meets Dellen, uh, she, she looks like a grown woman, but she thinks and speaks and acts like a child and he becomes her, her caretaker, um, and the only person who really is interested in her well-being instead of what they can get from her um, because she also then becomes this ancient, omniscient, all-knowing, incredibly powerful, terrifying being who reveals herself only to Karen because he has been <laughs> sort of selflessly caring for her in a right non-romantic way. So there, there does become a bit of a romance to this book, but it's just all about playing with dualities, you know, like <laughs> mortals and immortals and uh, platonic relationships versus romance versus compulsion and <laughs> love, right? And Karen's just trying to find his way through it. There, there was the long version of that trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> Setting up a few tropes, a few other tropes there just to turn them on their heads, it sounds like. Exactly. Too. I love <laughs> Roy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Thanks. And those, I mean, those came out boom, 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 three in a row last year. And you didn't miss a beat, uh, so to speak, jumping right into Sleepwater. Hey! I, I know. I've been doing this for a little while now. I'm getting better. <laughs> well done. Uh, with uh, Sleepwater Beat, your most recent, mm -hmm. which is now an international bestseller, award-winning sci-fi finalist in the uh, Book Awards. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Excited. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. tell us, tell us about Sleepwater Beat, because I, I know this is the book we're going to hear from today. But uh, mm -hmm. what, what are we looking at with this? What can we expect? from someone yes. who picks up this book. <laughs> so first thing I want to say to expect is that it, this is not a happy book. So if somebody's looking for, I mean, happy anything, you probably won't like what I write. Um, I, I actually had a, I had someone leave a two-star review on Amazon and, and say that they only read a third of the book and were leaving two stars because it just wasn't happy enough. And like, I, I got so excited. Like I was really like 
yes, I don't <laughs> care about the two stars. It wasn't happy enough. This is perfect. I did exactly what I wanted. Um, so <laughs> Sleepwater Beat is uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo meets X-Men. Oh. In, yeah, in the very near future, and instead of superpowers, like, you know, physical X-Men superpowers, um, there are certain people throughout the world who have, uh, through various means, developed the ability to elicit physical responses in people who hear them speak with a certain type of word, speak a certain way, and that is what the beat is, spinning a beat, is using their superpowers of speech, so to speak. <laughs> um, and Leo, the main character, uh, can make anyone who hears her beat believe absolutely anything that she says, no matter how far-fetched or crazy or complete crap it is. Um, she can make them believe her. So this is, you know, in a very near future world of things that could potentially happen with the pharmaceutical and information technology companies becoming huge giant conglomerates that kind of spread across the, you know, <laughs> controlling everything, so to speak. Mm -hmm. There's government conspiracies and human experimentation and lots of gunfights and fistfights and explosions and cussing and cigarettes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was super action-packed and also goes down some some pretty dark avenues. It was my first, it was actually an attempt originally at, at some social commentary on my part. And I struggled a lot with it in some ways because I was so certain that I was just slipping these little ideas and, and comments of my own into this so subtly until I published it. <laughs> I <was laughs> terrified that I like, I just blatantly like said these things and no one's gonna find it entertaining at all. Like I don't wanna, <laughs> I'm not using it as a platform, that's not what I wanted to do, but actually uh, it seems to have turned out just fine. And you know, I've written more of myself as a person and more experiences in my, my own life into Leo Tiefler. Uh, main character sleep on and this book overall than I have in any of my other books and this one is just about finding a place to belong you know feeling weird and having all the circumstances of one's life and being special in a way so to speak kind of dictate the way that Leo functions in different groups of people and society and uh whether or not she can trust people because they like her for who she is or if they're just trying to use her for what she can do <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and oh i'm super excited to keep writing this series there will be, there will be <laughs> more books <laughs> um and and who knows where it's gonna go from here but um this is this book is is the close to home book for me at least now you know when I wrote Daughter of the Dragon that was my close to home book uh, mm -hmm. and it was my first you know so <laughs> there's a bit of a difference that way um, <laughs> and uh yeah yeah did, did you plan this out at all or was it just kind of you just you had it in your head and you just started running with it it was actually uh it started as a short story it was like a failed experiment on my part I uh wanted to write a short story that was 
in this like uh, kind of set up timeline wise like the movie memento i don't know if you've seen mm. that mm-hmm. have you yeah yeah so like you know that movie shows clues about like his past and what he's done and where he's going by moving backwards right so with this short story that sleepwater beat originated as i decided that i did not want any two scenes to be chronologically next to each other at all whether that was forward or backward in time so i just cut the scenes into little strips of paper and shuffled them around (laughs) (laughs) together in a short story um and it was like 30 pages long and it was like cool and entertaining i took it to uh my writer's group at the time the charleston writer's group um when we lived in south carolina and they were like yeah okay you know the writing's awesome that's great but like there's so much more here. What are you doing with it? And they asked me all these questions about, you know, the, the world and what's happening with this and this and such and such. And I did not mean to make it a novel in the beginning, um, but they convinced me to do it. Their excitement convinced me to do it. And then it just turned into this thing, <laughs> <laughs> which is the best. I feel like that's the best way for a book to be born. Is to just oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you took those 30 pages, those original 30 pages, and turned it into 400. I mean, this is, yeah. I think they were right. There was clearly something here. And, I mean, it's gone on to be an international bestseller. I mean, wow, that was some good advice. (laughs) It it certainly was. I do believe this writer's group is an acknowledgement. (laughs) I, I owe them, yeah, they're in there. I owe them. Uh, a lot for uh, giving me the the motivation and you know the inspiration in a lot of ways for yeah, <laughs> it is. yeah. oh that's awesome yeah my my inspiration I got from my writers group was uh, after I had read a few chapters I was into chapter four and then somebody went oh now I understand what's going on you should start it here oh I was like oh okay but they were right. They were right. Yeah, totally yeah right. totally. Like, okay, yeah. Right, so. Yeah, well, okay, scrap this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are plenty of things from the, the original short story, Sleepwater Beat, that no longer exist. You've got to be, we've got to be willing to throw stuff away sometimes. Exactly. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Have a thick skin, be willing to hear the critique and I, I've come to welcome it. I'm just like, guys, just oh, yeah. lay it on me. Lay it on me. Please. I want it to be the best. Yeah. Nobody's going to be as tough on me as my wife is. So it's like, just <laughs> come on. Usually people say as tough as myself. but. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I, my, my wife is my first, my first and biggest critic. And she will, I will show her something. And I'm just like, this is, this is awesome. Look at how well I did. And she's going, this is like, some silly prince from a Disney movie. What did you learn? And I'm just kind of looking at her like, wait, what? And she's always right. She's always right. She sees it from that different point of view. And I'll come back and like, okay, now that I've calmed down, I can see what she's talking about. Yeah, right. <laughs> you let that not sting so bad. That's nice though. You have that. Like, you have a built-in beta reader. <laughs> like. That's nice. My my husband doesn't read my books. He's just he doesn't read fiction. It's not that he refuses to read mine specifically. He just doesn't read fiction, which is totally fine. But he is always the first person when we meet new people to talk about what I do. <laughs> 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 That's a fair trade. 
<laughs> that's good. That's good. Good to have yeah. some uh, some support at home. For sure. <laughs> uh, this has been so much fun and i mean i i just i've loved talking to you before the show and and uh you know just hearing your laugh and and hearing the history with all of these books i mean i can't wait to pick up a few of them for myself and of course i'm i'm hearing my missouri accent now <laughs> and as we were talking so <laughs> Catherine, thank you so much where can people find and follow you online Yes, people can find me. Well, there's my website, KatherineHudsonFiction.com, and my books are across the board, wherever good books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, Apple, uh, all those places. I'm on Facebook as well, Katherine Hudson Fiction, Instagram, Katherine Hudson Fiction, Twitter, Exquisitely Dark. The, those are all my places, so you hit any of those up and I will be there. Perfect. Yes. And everybody listening, of course, you know how it works. There will be links for all of this in the show notes, as well as a link to go and pick up a copy of the book yourself. Make sure you click those links. Got to check it out. These are amazing. So once again, thank you so much, Catherine. This has been a, a real treat. It's been a lot of fun for me. Oh, I have enjoyed it so much too. Thank you for having me, Jason. Thank you for laughing at my jokes. <laughs> that's my pleasure <laughs> well ladies and gentlemen you know what that means i'm gonna step aside and hand the floor over to my guest katherine hudson with sleepwater b all right this is chapter 16 sleepwater b they sat on the couch spears in hand and let the silence fight for them carl had picked her up from the police station only an hour before and though he hadn't said a word, she knew he was annoyed with her. He rarely spoke anyways, but he hadn't met her eyes once, nor could she find the hint of smile under his mustache that she had learned to track. Leah winced as she lit a cigarette, the knuckles on both her hands already bruising and swollen. The cops hadn't asked her too many questions, hadn't really cared that a scrappy girl managed to rough up a guy who apparently was drunk in public more than he was anything else. She'd been in a holding cell for eight hours, and then she'd been let out to meet Carl in his anemic car. It had been an abnormally difficult eight hours. Not only did it piss her off that she could have avoided the whole thing altogether if she just used her words, but she also hated the fact that Carl felt he could tell her what to do as she was carted away to county. She'd only gotten two hours of sleep and spent the rest of the time wondering why the fuck she made so much money using her words only to be ordered not to, especially at a time when she would have been far more helpful than not. I was doing my job, Leo said, looking at the man beside her and hoping he'd acknowledge her presence somehow. Carl grunted, and I didn't say a thing to the cops. Carl only chugged his beer and lit another cigarette. They started early, just before noon, but Leah wasn't going to complain. She just wanted an explanation for the silence and what so obviously felt like blame. When another few minutes passed, she realized she had either fucked something up really bad or Carl was in another world altogether. What the fuck did I do wrong, she asked. He leaned over and held the beer bottle between his legs. Nothing, Leo, he decided. She could hear his heavy swallow when he looked up at the ceiling. You didn't do anything wrong. I know you didn't talk to the cops, didn't use your words. It's just... He stopped to run a hand through his hair, his head hanging almost between his own knees. Leo thought he looked really fucking tired. This happened in front of the Purple Lion. We just have to be careful about our connections with people and how they're made. With Louise, she asked. 
Carl leaned back to give her a short-lived but pointed glance out of the corner of his eye. Why? A loud knock rapped on the door. Leo stared at Carl, hoping he'd give in and tell her something, but whoever their visitor was had already distracted him too much. He still didn't return her gaze when he stood from the couch. She didn't find any recognition on his face when he answered the door. As soon as it opened, a giant chest barreled Carl out of the way, followed by the gaudy velvet and overindulgently slick hair of Louise. The Lord of the Beat retained his usual flippant composure, but he wore a scent Leo thought smelled like fear. His eyes burned as he caught sight of her, but that was his only giveaway. Had a lovely visit with the city police, did you? His voice was as silky as his clothing, though it failed to conceal as much. His companion, a giant of a man, wore a shiny silver vest over a dark blue Oxford shirt, the buttons of which strained to hold in his chest and giant belly beneath. He seized a metal folding chair, jamming it upon the floor in front of Leo, and Carl was left to close the door behind them. Louise approached the chair, swiping at the seat with a manicured hand before setting himself upon it like a dainty housewife. Leo glanced at Carl, who leaned against the rim of the sink, arms folded across his chest. Then she noticed the knife there, at his elbow, just in case. He didn't say a thing. She took another drag of her cigarette and met Louise's gaze again. Something makes me think you might enjoy their friendship more than mine. Louise plucked an invisible hair from his shoulder, sprinkling it to the side. She didn't respond. Louise tucked his already plastered hair behind his ear and met her gaze with purpose. Tell me, he spoke through his teeth. Tell me that you and I are still friends. She took another drag, letting the smoke out toward their visitors. She'd catered to the man at his club when she worked for him, but she was off the clock, and this was where she fucking lived, for now. I tell stories, Louise, she said, and the sound of her voice instantly triggered the fog in his eyes. But I don't talk to cops, and I did my job. You and I are square. A lopsided smile split his tidied face, and he nodded. Then he took a deep breath, smoothed his oil hair again. Yes, he sniffed. You and I are right with one another. His bodyguard shook his head, her short feet having affected him as well. Louise turned very slightly in his chair. But Carl and I are not. Carl's eyes widened only a little, and he raised his head, nothing else. Carl and I have unfinished business, left unattended for quite some time. I believe you, Leo. His eyes did not leave Carl's face as he addressed her. Your mentor, however, must also clean up the mess you've made. How many drinks have you had today, Carl? Carl only nodded at the half-empty beer bottle beside the couch, his jaw flexing in defiance. Not enough to keep you quiet this afternoon. Louise crossed his legs. Let's hear it from you, too. Carl uncrossed his arms and stood straight. Hold on now. He glanced at Leo, discomfort and guilt flashing in his dark eyes. You know the reason I don't. I know the reason, Louise said, but your girl here has put me in quite an uncomfortable position. Dog's on my trail and all. You owe me, Carl. Spin a beat for me now for the sake of Leo's loyalty, and I will continue to pay you. Let you work for me. Refuse me, and I will turn you both in. How long have you been running, exactly? Carl swallowed, his beard bristling as his jaw worked in anger and forced composure. He glanced at Leo again. He could only frown at him. She couldn't do a thing. Had absolutely no idea what Louise was talking about. Leo hadn't done anything wrong, except for maybe taking her job a bit too seriously the night before. Sometimes she snapped like that. Rarely, but it still happened. 
but that had nothing to do with Carl, and she'd already been turned in and released. So what the fuck were they talking about? She stared back and forth from one man to the other in the next few moments of silence. I got the call from Melissa earlier this afternoon, Carl began, glaring into Louise's face as his words took hold. Leo had never felt anything like it, the warm sensation blooming in her stomach, spreading through her shoulders and arms, tingling in her feet, sighing, her head drifting backwards. She sank into the couch. She heard the lilt of Carl's voice, his short pauses, but could not place the words. All the world had become a warm fog, melting her, and she was vaguely aware of the beer in her hand tipping out of her grasp. The lived-in garage faded away, and all that existed was Carl's humming voice and the magic in her veins. When he finished, there were a few long minutes of silence before the light returned to Leo's eyes, and she sighed. The fog lifted, the warmth faded, and she felt it leave with a sweet longing. She opened her eyes to find Louise smoothing his oiled hair back onto his head, wiping a single bead of sweat from his brow. Oh, yes. His voice was a sigh, and he straightened his jacket. His eyes were still hazy when he opened them, but his toothy smile was sweeter than usual. Carl, I have so missed your words. It's a pity you're so adamant about keeping them to yourself. He leaned his head back, breathing deeply through his nose and shaking his oiled curls. Carl leaned against the sink again, knuckles white at his sides. His nostrils flared as he stared at the back wall, never looking at Louise or at Leo. The bodyguard by the back door snorted, shook his head, and a thin, dopey smile spread across his dull lips. Leo, she swallowed at Louise's voice, your friend has won you back my trust. You owe him for what he's just done. He stood, again brushing the imaginary dust from his sleeves and nodded at his companion. The giant man swung the door wide and waited for Louise to skirt through it. He called over his shoulder, I'll see you too soon. Carl's home felt quieter than usual, despite the hum of the mini-fridge. Leo remembered her beer and righted it. Half of it had drained away, leaving a sweet stain on the cushion beside her. I had no idea that you... Carl's eyes caught hers in a flash of anger and pain, cutting her off with their knife-like intensity. His lower lip trembled, and for a moment, she thought he was going to tell her everything. Instead, he shouldered his way through the door, pulled it firmly shut behind him, and left her alone in the yeasty smell of beer. And you've been listening to Katherine Hudson, reading a sample chapter from her international best-selling book, Sleepwater Beak. This is book one of the Blue Helix series, so make sure you are clicking the links in the show notes for more about this book, to pick up this book itself, to follow Catherine and all of her social media. Don't forget to also click those links in the show notes for our sponsors and friends of the show. And as I've said many times before, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when I come back with a new author, a new book, and a new sample chapter. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will see you again real, real soon.